welcome to Big Mama Hacks. We, today we have Ruthie Hayes with us. Welcome, Ruthie. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. This is really great. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so sorry it's so late in the season. I really wanted to come and do a video um, podcast or vlog or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah. <laughs> we really wanted to go through your garden with you. I'm sorry. Life has been so incredibly crazy for us. But um, I'm here, yeah. Yeah, it's been a wild time, but it's good that we finally got some time together that we could yeah. sit and chit chat. Mm -hmm. So, um, just a little bit about how Ruthie and I met. Um, Ruthie came by my stand at the Pennsylvania. I kind of stalked family. you a little bit. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> On Instagram, I yeah. I didn't know that. Um, but I just remember, I remember you very vividly, like when you came to the Folk Fest. And you bought a Vossner next for me on my reclaimed wood. And I remember thinking, wow, she seems so cool. And I loved your energy. Like, I just felt like a very positive vibe from you to remember you, especially because, you know, you see like thousands of people during yeah. the Folk Fest. But I remember thinking you were yeah. very awesome. I didn't realize that we were connected beforehand. Is that true? I suck uh, at this. We had <laughs> like, some, like a mutual, like Instagram, Facebook, like uh, social media connections. Yeah, I'm sure we did. Um, so some of our connections would be Susan Hess. Um, who else would there be that we have in common? Mm, I'm not sure. Like a, Let's say Susan Hess. Yeah, <laughs> so she, she was my first herb teacher and she used to right. live around here, maybe like 15, 20 minutes from me. And, the farm at Coventry, right? Right, yeah, the farm at Coventry. And I took a year-long foundational um, herbalism course from her. We met basically one day a month for a year. So it was great because we got to experience the seasons and talk about uh, different herbs uh, depending on the season that it was. And um, so that kind of just whet my appetite for wanting to dive deeper into herbalism. Did you have any other training afterwards? I know you said you took about a year to absorb the information. Were there any other ways that you were trained? Yeah, so I did take a while to kind of integrate my knowledge uh, from Susan's course. and But I knew that I really wanted a deeper relationship with the herbs. Um, so I ended up going to the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine in Western North Carolina. I did the year-long um, clinical herbal intensive there as a distance student, which was made it extra intense because I still had to, you know, be mom and all of that kind of stuff while I was working part-time and I would come home from work and then sign on and do my classes at night. Um, but it was a really great program as very, um, based, uh, science-based. There was a lot of nutritional training. Um, it's a very holistic way to learn how to integrate herbs into your everyday life for supporting, supporting health and your, and your body in a healthy way. Oh, that's awesome. That's really fascinating. So you got a really well-rounded it was really well-rounded. He brought in, uh, Thomas Easley is the name, his name. He, hi Thomas. He, um, is the guy who started the school and he brings, would bring in teachers from lots of different traditions, um, to teach like, um, you know, 
women's reproductive health and things like that. You know, people who were, you know, specializing in certain niches of herbalism. So yeah, we got to, we got exposed to a lot of different teachers just by going to the one school. Oh, that's so cool. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. And it really helped to deepen my, like it took my medicine making up like a thousand notches. And that's really, you know, where my, my joy is, is in the medicine making. So it really helped me to like launch into my product line, like a thousand more percent. It just, it was like really instrumental in, in me becoming Mother Hildy. Pretty much right away knew that I wanted to start a product line. And um, so I did, I called it Mother Hildy's Herbal and Mother Hildy's Herbal. And Hildy means elder in Danish um, as an homage to my Danish heritage. And um, I put mother in front of it because I wanted something like nurturing feeling. Um, And then I was reading a Matthew Wood book and uh, he's a famous North American herbalist. And I um, was reading, he was talking about, you know, the folklore that surrounds the elder. Elder was the first herb that I really connected with. And that's why I chose Hildy as my herb name. And so I'm Mother Hildy's Herbal. And then I realized that there's all of this amazing folklore surrounding uh, the elder tree, um, Mm -hmm. specifically even in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition, which, as you know, we live right kind of in the middle of here in Pennsylvania in this area. And um, Susan's course actually is very much steeped in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition. Um, So according to the folklore, there's this, uh, you know, older woman spirit that inhabits the elder tree. And um, Hans Christian Andersen wrote a story called the little elder tree mother about this little boy who gets sick. He goes out and plays in the rain. His feet get wet. He comes inside. His mother um, puts him to bed, tucks him in, makes him a pot of hot elderflower tea, which, you know, in, in herbalism is, um, you know, to help you sweat out a fever. Mm -hmm. And so he drinks this tea, goes into a fever dream, and the the little elder tree mother comes out of the teapot and whisks him away in, in his dream time and shows him all these wonderful things that are going to happen in his life. And so I was like, wow, there's, you know, I feel like this plant chose me mm-hmm. um, as it's like the conduit, like I'm the hollow bone for the message of this plant. So... That was a little bit of a ramble, but <laughs> not at all. No, that's Maybe so I'll, fascinating. No, please. <laughs> that was actually perfect. And um, I was just reading your website. Like I had it up for months and months and months when we first started talking about this. <laughs> and I just re-went through like your about me section. And by the way, it's written so beautifully and mm. your whole website looks amazing. And I know we know, we both know Cynthia Oswald. Yeah. She's, uh, mm. she's done some graphic design work for you. She did an amazing job. Um, but I just love the way you wrote this. And I was really hoping you would touch on that stuff. Um, but the thing I wanted to ask you about Susan Huss is um, Hunter knew her before I knew her. And mm-hmm. um, actually they became friendly. Oh God, I don't even know. Like let me think, probably 2008 ish, 2009. Mm-hmm. And all of our elder 
is actually from a cutting from Susan Huff. So I'm wondering if your elder is also from a cutting from Susan Huff. No, it's not actually. Would that would be wild. <laughs> that would be crazy if we had related elder trees. If that would they were be very cool. Elders. No, yep. mine is from, so funny story. I tried to, it was when I moved to this property 13 years ago, um, it was woods and we cleared it. Um, my oh, wow. husband and I, we cleared it and built this log cabin and I was trying to plant elder at different places around the property. And usually it's not too fussy about where it grows. No, no not at all. I probably planted 12 or 13 elder trees and none of them took. And um, yeah, none of them. I dug That's them up. Amazing. They were babies from an elder on my family farm, which is on a property adjacent to me and from a tree like that's the first elder that tree specifically on the farm is like the first one that kind of spoke to me gotcha. and so I dug up a bunch of babies from it you know how they put up tons of suckers and yes. yeah put them all over the property very like the jungle yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> yeah and none of them took and I was like what the heck this is my plant why aren't you oh my gosh fun? so um you know I was I would sit on my porch to uh when I would pick like a big basket of the berries I'd sit on the porch and you know how it takes hours and hours I have since figured out how to simplify the process but anyway I was sitting on the porch you know gently picking the berries from the stems and it makes mm -hmm. a mess you know and then so I would sweep the porch and one of the berries, you know, rolled off and decided to germinate and in one of the beds on the side of my porch. And so a baby elder popped up there and oh, wow. I was walking through the garden with a friend of mine and it was like in the spring when things just start to like pop and show. And she was mm -hmm. also like a planty, nerdy, herby friend. And we were just kind of walking around marveling at, you know, the plants coming back to greet us. And she was like, oh, you have an elder right there in that bed. I was like, what? That, like, that's the last place I would want an elder to grow. So I dug it up and put it somewhere else and it died. <laughs> three, oh, no. three years in a row, I dug this elder up where it was trying to grow and tried to put it somewhere else and it wouldn't take. And so the third year I was like, okay, you know what? You're obviously trying to tell me that this is where you want to be. So I let it grow there. And it's actually, I mean, I love where it is. And yeah, I love where it is too. It's on, you know, the side of my porch. And so I took one of the babies from that elder and put it on the other side of my porch. And so now I have this like gate of elders i feel like yes. she's now the guardian i think i feel that way too house. having been to your house yeah, yeah. that's very but cool i think you were here when they were in bloom too yes i was yep like it just brings me so much joy when i see those flowers those like creamy white umbels mm -hmm. of elderflower and actually i'm drinking this is elderflower wine <laughs> oh nice that's so yeah, cool so, um it just i it brings me so much joy to see those flowers and I just feel like she continues to show up in my life in certain ways. And she is now like a guardian of my front door. And you have to kind of walk through this gate of approval <laughs> from, from right. the elder mother to enter my home. That's so super cool. And I, 
this and you come to my house know yeah. that she's watching you when you enter <laughs> and i like the way she grew too because ours are so incredibly insane and just completely out of control and i was talking to susan about because i was like my husband legit told me like i am not a plant person i'm just coming to it mm -hmm. and i have a very I have a very hard time like keeping plants alive, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm finding my stride, right? But um, he told me he's like, oh yeah, they're just little bushes in our in our new house that we bought, and I was just so happy to have a yard. You know, we lived in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, they're just little bushes, and they look like little bushes. Well, and you then trim I, them to be, yeah. <laughs> no, well, he's like, oh no, I'll cut them back. You know, they got a little high. I'll cut them back. I'll cut them back. All the shoots, like sprouted, or what? It, you know. What's that proper? No, the shoots fucking made new. Yeah, <laughs> it made babies. I was like, oh my God, so he fucking tricked me. Basically, this is our marriage. It's like, I never saw the movie, but Mr. and Mrs. Smith, basically. So he basically tricked me into like a jungle, a fucking legit jungle of elder. And she's just like, uh, well. I'm having me. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. But <laughs> it's hard because I like a lot of light and it blocks our light on our first level. Yeah. but. It is very cool and my kids love it. And now my daughter's become like very protective of it. Like, mommy, you can't cut it back. And I'm like, I'm not cutting it because I don't, I don't want to have that shit come back on my ass, you know? But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's tricky because it's just, I love the shape of yours. And I was like, oh, so this is what an elder could look like. Like, it's so beautiful and so peaceful. And my mom even has a cutting from my husband, from Susan, in her yard as well. And it looked really nice. And ours is just like so insane and wild oh my goodness yeah the elders are very but you know I've come to like well I appreciated it always but I've come to really love it despite the fact that my husband tortures me with it's out of control and I, and I worry because we live in a town that they're gonna you know my grandparents lived here and they would always get complaints because they were like overgrowers you know and our property is like we're like food not lawns people so yeah. we took this yeah. beautiful English like landscape yeah. house yeah. and like made it all into like like food, you know. And um, I'm just like waiting for a neighbor to like report us, but it hasn't happened. So I think we're being protected too. But I did note that. Well, first of all, your home is beautiful and just amazing. And I had no idea this part. I'm not from this area. Like my family's from Berks County and Oli area, but I never knew that there was this part of. Pottstown that was so gorgeous I had no idea um and I just really liked the way the elder the elder looked at your house I feel like it just design wise like you know when you're a designer you just notice things like that the whole property just down to the little details I remember driving up with my kids to drop something off for you and enjoying the little fabric um garland too hanging yeah on garden. my tomato palaces yeah so and on beautiful. my and just little it's decorations just, to add I'm like dude I just need to come and like chill and like this would Please be like do. getting away honestly I just I mean what are we 10 months in I don't know how much more I can take in isolation I've been really well behaved like listening yeah. to all the rules and stuff but I'm like really starting to crack a little bit so I know it's getting wearisome but I feel right. like you know cold and flu season is upon us and we totally. kind of have to stay the course yeah, bunker so, down. Plus, you know, I we're really stir crazy. Yeah, but the thing is, and then I like try and remind myself, and not in like a martyry way or anything, but just to remind myself, like we're really, really lucky in a lot of ways. Like we mm -hmm. can connect like this, and 
you yeah. know, we can order things online if we have to. Like, oh my gosh, I was yeah. ordering flour. DoorDash, like, doesn't everybody like <laughs> DoorDash and Uber Eats and yeah, Amazon, all those like terribly convenient things. Yeah, honestly, but I'm really thankful because I'm just, I think a lot about the people. I'm like such a weirdo. Like I think about what life must have been like during the Spanish flu because it reminds me of that, you know, and yeah. um, mm-hmm. just thinking like how much luckier we are. But yeah, so that's that. But I can't wait to gather again. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's going to change myself and a lot of people in that I always took took it for granted and also was very much an ex- or introvert um, and didn't really want to be around people a lot. But now like I appreciate it so much more and I, and I yearn for that now. And I'm like excited to get back to a time where we can gather again and, and yeah. make the time for that, you know, instead of always being so busy and not making the time. But yeah, I feel like um, this is giving us the time to think about how to be more intentional about who we spend our time with and how, and also to be more community minded. That's yes. a, a big thing that, um, comes up for me a lot during this time is how much we really need to seek out the people in our community who are like this is the first year I bought a CSA share from one of my Mm. local farmers and um, you know seek out the people who are you know the herbalists and the beekeepers and the you know who can fix your button on your shirt when you need it you know what I mean like who you know making those community connections and um just weaving that web tighter yeah I feel is only going to make us all more resilient so yeah for sure and I feel like you know I talk a lot to my friend Lorianne who runs who owns Firefly Cafe with her husband Michael because she's on board like really like being really careful and stuff but we talk a lot about how hopeless it feels because you see so many people not listening and not caring about their community but then in the same token you see a lot of people that have adapted that way of thinking of like the community as a whole and supporting especially small businesses since you are a small business owner and you know I am and she is you know like supporting each other and trying to move that extra effort I think has been definitely a thing that I've done more during this time than I ever have um you know that gratefully I am able to financially like kind of reconcile that that I didn't always have that ability but um you know just valuing goods more yep with all of that in mind rather than just you know I need this thing and it's much cheaper here but like thinking of the whole picture and like thinking well what things can I afford to like support that small business with that money but it's it's exactly. very tricky it's, it's a hard it's a hard line right now because everybody's kind of struggling and um especially selling art yeah. you know and herbs and massage I know it must be hard it must be really hard because it's like things that a lot of people find as indulgences I suppose even though they're not you know I mean well I mean art definitely is massage and herbs no we need artists like society artists and the poets and the dreamers because that's how I mean that's how we communicate what's important in our culture is through Mm -hmm. all those artistic creative outlets and I feel like in a time like this it's almost like art therapy like people need it to have like a an escape from this like horrible situation you know and the isolation 
Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've interviewed a couple of musicians recently and that's what we've talked a lot about is like, you know, I can't like fix your car. Like that's not my trade. I'm an artist or a musician, but I can entertain you if you do fix cars and like, or you make our food or whatever, you know, like that's how I can serve the community. That's your contribution. Yeah. Exactly. So thinking yeah. of that community spirit again, but yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I'm hopeful. And I hope when we all come out of this, it's just, you know, it's hard because I think a lot of people are suffering mentally and it's not necessarily that they're awful people or deniers or like pretend, like purposefully um, putting people at risk. It's like, I think I can feel like empathetic towards them that they're really suffering, you know, and, and need to like move forward just to save themselves. But yeah, exactly. It's been rough. Like I I can absolutely recognize and acknowledge that I've been pretty fortunate, even though, you know, this year in itself has been pretty difficult and just the shit that I've been through in my own personal life. Um, I've been really fortunate actually to um, be able to still be doing the things that I love and contributing in a way that feels fulfilling and meaningful to me. Um, I really wasn't sure because, you know, you can't give a massage without touching people and being in their personal yeah. space for an hour. Um, but I think people are starting to see that that's less of a luxury and more of a necessity, yes. um, to be taking care of yourself and as well as with the herbs, um, with just paying more attention to taking care of our bodies and, um, keeping in mind also that we need to keep those kind of things like seeking people seek me out in my community that like had no idea I was here and I think that part of that maybe is because of you know everybody being more community-minded since yeah. this COVID business started yeah um so Ruthie tell us about your amazing gathering boxes and what people can expect when they purchase one from your Etsy shop yeah, so I put together these gathering boxes. <clears throat> um, they're inspired by the eight Celtic holidays of the year, and there are eight of them. So I put together like these little collections of herbal remedies and herbal goodies that are inspired by the themes of the holiday or have to do, have herbs specific to that holiday. Um, and I've been doing that for maybe like three years or so. Sometimes I skip a holiday because I get busy doing other things, but there will definitely be one for winter solstice coming up. So, and that will have um, wintry things in it like pine and cedar, specifically pine and cedar for the winter solstice one. Oh, very nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I'll make sure to link your Etsy shop as well in the show notes. Um, you know, it's so interesting how as you evolve, I'm going to be 40 in January and, you know, you just, you don't see other people or yourself. I, I feel, I like aging because I feel like I feel more beautiful now, you know? Totally. And you feel I, so empowered. Yeah. I'm so not ashamed of, I turned 40 this year. Hello. I love I it. 40s are going to rock. I'm so excited. <laughs> I have so gray hairs. Up here, I don't know if you can see them, but I am so, I'm like, yes, I'm going to be, like, I've always envisioned myself as 
that old lady with the long silvery gray braid that is like like and now like I'm living in a log cabin in the woods and like I'm gonna be the mysterious old witchy lady with the long gray hair mountain (laughs) ruthie right archetype I'm going for (laughs) good let's I was actually mountain ruthie I'm I'm working on a children's book about mountain mary you know I feel like when I read your bio um the stuff about your grandmother really touched me a lot because I'm very connected to my grandmothers um and I especially like that part and I'll just read a little excerpt from it about the day that your um grandmother passed and her name was um Miriam yeah. right mm-hmm. and so um and you're just talking about that it felt like your movements were going in slow motion I kind of totally identify with that um and it says it says um, that you were that you were planting a sapling's root, and mm-hmm. and you patted down the soil in the sapling's root, and it felt like a coming home to great things, as if this was my welcome to their world. I felt an immediate belonging to the green realm and a responsibility for stewardship. A pack had been made that day, and I was just like mm-hmm. really blown away by that passage. I I just love that so much because it's so poignant when these things in our lives happen, like for instance, for COVID, for instance, um, it just impacts our life so greatly and changes the course of our, our yeah. existence um, spiritually. So if you could just speak to that a little bit, I, I love that story. Um, and I had no idea that you were living on um, property that had been in your family for a long time. Sure. So yeah, that's definitely, so her passing is one of those things, um, you know, in my life, you know, where those, it's one of those events that, you know, you think of it as a before and an after there's a life before this happened and a life after that. Um, so I guess just to rewind a little bit, uh, the farm where I grew up, um, I was the eighth generation to live there. That family uh, the land was, um, so we live on unceded Lenape land. So the land was taken from the Lenape and by the Penn brothers and given to my ancestors, uh, not eight or nine generations ago before Pennsylvania was called Pennsylvania. And, um, so that was my, my grandmother's family. My grandfather, her husband, uh, was from Denmark. So the farm was my grandmother's family. She was born there. She passed away there. And so I helped, I had the the privilege of helping to take care of her towards the end of her life. My mom and my sisters kind of all took turns. <clears throat> and uh, the day that she passed away, um, you know, after she left the farm for the last time, um, I forget where we went. We went somewhere and wherever we were, they were giving out evergreen saplings. And I just, you know, picked one up without thinking and I brought it home and plant. I was like, you know, this is going to be the tree that will always remind me of her. And I found a corner of the yard to plant it. And like the passage in my bio says, I remember like very vividly all of my senses being engaged in that act um in the digging of the dirt like the way the trowel felt in my hand the way 
the soil smelled, um, unfurling the roots of the sapling and kind of like splaying them out in the hole and then filling it back in and watching the roots get covered up and patting the dirt down over top of it and just kind of like solidifying it's that tree's presence in my life it just was like it was like you're here and like it said in my bio like that felt like a welcoming home like the whole like the whole green world was watching me do this act and like me committing those roots to the earth was like me saying i'm committing myself to this path and that's why i so often use the word herb wife when i talk about my role as an herbalist i feel like i'm an herb wife like i am committed to this green path in a way that feels like a marriage or a commitment like i'm never this is never not going to be a part of me mm -hmm. um, and i guess just like any relationship it ebbs and flows like this summer i kind of took a step back from medicine making a little bit and now i'm like ready to dive in full force like i have missed it so much because i was doing other creative things and um yeah, it just grows and changes and takes different little twists and turns and pops up in unexpected corners of my life. And I'm just constantly re-falling in love with what plants mean to me and how they, the medicine that they bring to my life, not just physical medicine, but energetic medicine, like, um, plant spirit medicine like the messages that plants give me it's just it's just amazing the different layers that i am constantly discovering and learning and it's plants i mean i'm just never not going to be an herb wife that's part of who i am now and i am so excited to see <laughs> 20 years from now <laughs> what that, like how what that's gonna be what that what plants presence are gonna look like in my life i want plants inside during the winter you know because it's really it's actually very depressing and i'm sure you go through this you get like into kind of like you have to mourn um the loss of the garden it's really hard it's really it hard it's, it's a hard transition and the lights going away too at the same time and it's just like yeah. oh Thank God for kale, who survives everything. Like we're still eating kale. We're still eating kale. What I don't think I've ever said that in my life. Thank God for kale. <laughs> oh my God, we love kale. It's ridiculous, but we have so much kale. It is like that's the only thing that tops our amount of elder is mm -hmm. our kale. Our kale is like, and it it survived the frost. It's like still edible. It's just it's very hardy, and you know, like we're plant based, and it's just really important for us with the kale. Yeah. But yeah. um. Yeah, I don't know. I need to get better at keeping things alive. But yeah, the poinsettia, maybe that's just my thing. But I wanted to ask you about the elder. Okay. So, like, so Frahala is often mentioned um, yeah. as a plant spirit. And Susan Hess talks about it, and Robert um, Lou Schreier talks about it. And uh, I love Frahala, 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 yeah. <laughs> Frahala, and um, sometimes Holda and they had their Hollabriar 
publication. Have are you familiar with that at all? I know Susan had some. She had some. Um, she actually founded it with Jesse Tobin, uh, a person that she worked with, and then my friend Rob took it over. And it's really interesting. Um, they got into a lot of the folklore of the Pennsylvania Dutch um, within the plant spirits and and plants. Uh, that's that's really cool. But how do how do you um, do you connect to Frahala at all through the plant? Um, I do a little bit. I'm not um, Pennsylvania Dutch. I really, um, I mean, we we obviously live so close and like yeah. almost in their community. Right. Um, and like, you know, I go to King's all the time, which is owned by, you know, it's all in that area. So, yeah. um, and there's a lot of overlap with some of the, the similarities in the mythology of Frau Halle, the Pennsylvania Dutch Frau Halle, yeah. and the Celtic and the Germanic um, uh, iterations of yes. the elder tree mother in the way that like they're very sacred plants mm -hmm. they're grown very close to the house because they um are rich in medicine in the berries and the flowers and the leaves um you would never cut one down without asking permission right in um and that's very true in the pennsylvania dutch tradition you're not supposed yes. to cut them down yeah. and um in ancient irish law there was a hierarchy of trees and elder is one of them yes. and if you felled an elder mm -hmm. uh, there were repercussions like maybe mm -hmm. you, whoever's land it was on you would owe them like one of your yearling calves or something like that like this has been a sacred tree to many different traditions mm -hmm. where it's lived to um so <clears throat> that's part of what is so fascinating to me about it is finding those threads that connect mm -hmm. um, because no one was telling like how was there any communication between like the ancient Irish people and the, like it just it's amazing to me that plants convey their spirit to people regardless of time and place yeah. and um, now we have like the technology and the knowledge to mm -hmm make all the connections between those dots but um yeah so i do i do connect to frau Halle in that way mm -hmm. yeah it's just another name right for the same yeah. thing yeah mm -hmm. for the same plant spirit that's interesting because i'm i call myself half pennsylvania dutch i'm sure it's much less but then i'm half welsh for sure for sure mm -hmm. i know there's some english in there too um so you know i and it's just so hard because I would, I always really long to go to Wales, but I feel like the ship has sailed for quite a few years now until my kids are a little older. But mm -hmm. I, I really, I really long to be there and experience that. I always, before I moved here and got really immersed in wanting to learn about Pennsylvania Dutch culture, I was very, I would identify more um, as a Welsh person because, well, you know, the Welsh never. <laughs> Never committed atrocities against the entire world, so there's that. <laughs> you know, but um, you know, then I came to find out that my Pennsylvania Dutch ancestors had been here so long that it was like incredible, and I felt like I could safely connect to that and not have. You know, I'm sure you can understand having told us the story about your family property that you have that guilt inside of you um, for things that had been done by the people that are part of your bloodline, and 
it's always been a really hard, hard thing for me. And a a reason why I think my parents kind of moved away and didn't want to connect us in that way, you know, but then it leaves you with that longing. Mm -hmm. And then you find you, hopefully, if you're brave enough, you find that missing piece. And it's just, it's really fascinating, but being able to connect to a culture that's so um, geographically close is really a wonderful experience. And I know how blessed and lucky we are. And you may not have it in you, but you're certainly Pennsylvania Dutch around here, you know? I always <laughs> say that to everybody. You know, it's a regional culture. It's, you know, it's, um, you know, you're an honorary Dutchie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody around here, it's just, if you don't live around here, you can't understand it. It's, it's yeah, so, I know. It so is a very specific, it's a very specific thing, right? You just don't yeah. get it unless you're around here. Like so true. a lot of our stores have like hitching posts outside of them for yeah. <laughs> the horse and buggies. And it's wild. It's funny to see when people aren't, who aren't from this area that come around here and see that kind of thing. They're like, what is that? You know? <laughs> I know. And just even like the hex signs, you know, and just like, oh my gosh, the art, like, it's always fascinating to me because even now in our socioeconomic status, like, you know, sometimes you don't have time to make art. Like, I can't believe these people had time to make art, you know, it's just so incredible, but there's a lot of, um, so you would be, um, Irish as well, correct? So Irish, Scottish, Welsh, Welsh, and Danish. Oh, Welsh too. Yay. Yay. Let's talk about your stays next because I just love your stays so much so Ruthie I love my stays on you how amazing do you look in those oh my god I need to have some of that I need to have some of that drink and then I need to put on my stay and be all like yes (laughs) I love the feeling of it because it feels like it's like good for my anxiety it makes me feel like I'm being hugged and held I love it so much so Ruthie made me an amazing stay um and she used some of the material that I designed for my thesis and it was hex signs and it's gorgeous. And I'll have to share that on our little teaser. Um, it's just so beautiful. And I've always wanted one. I have always loved, um, you know, like cosplay renaissance type of stuff. Yes. And um, I remember the first time I bought a corset at, you know, the Ren Fair or whatever, and the woman laced me up in it. And I was like, uh, it was another one of those like coming home moment mm-hmm. feelings. I was like, yes, I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, I was very much a tomboy and had a lot of shame surrounding my gender and sexuality and the expression mm-hmm. of that. I grew up in a very conservative religious home. My dad's a pastor. Oh, I didn't <laughs> I mean, know that. Wow. Wow. Like, how did you come from that? <laughs> but um, I'm like, yeah, I'm this way because of that. <laughs> I'm like your typical yes. preacher's daughter. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I just remember that feeling. And when I got, I started dabbling in historical costuming a few years ago and um simplicity put out like an outlander inspired pattern for 18th century undergarments underpinnings and i bought the pattern and made it uh, made a couple of them just to kind of learn how to do it and then i adapted the pattern i simplified it um so that i could, cuz it i mean 
all right, the first pair that I made took me like months to do of like stolen bits of free time. And I was like, I would love to be able to like make these, you know, more efficiently to -hmm. be able to offer them to other women because it feels so good. Like I want other women to feel this. Mm -hmm. It feels empowered and it feels like you said, it feels like held and feels safe. And when I feel that, like, you know, moving through this world as a woman, you don't always Mm -hmm. feel safe. And I just feel when I like lace one up and put it on, I feel like, yes, like I'm in my full self right now. I feel sensual and embodied and empowered and I'm and unapologetic about it. Mm -hmm. So I, decided that I was going to start making them um, and offering them through my Etsy shop. And um, I've done a bunch of custom orders. Um, you were the first one to jump on oh, it. <laughs> it was so much fun. Awesome. I've sent them all over the country. I shipped one to Sweden in wow. September. That was super cool. Um, Yeah. And I just, I love making them and sharing that feeling that I feel with other women, because I feel like, um, that's just, it's when I lace another woman up in one of my corsets and I see that feeling rise in her, Mm -hmm. I just feel like that medicine, that's like a form of medicine and it's so needed. Um, a lot of women just you know, go through their daily lives, not feeling connected to that super feminine part of themselves. And I know what that's like. And I also know what it's like to tap into that after not feeling it for a while. And it just feels amazing to be in that place of being like this fierce, unapologetic woman, like in your full self. Yeah. And you know what else comes to mind is like, it's like an activated, like you're actively in your own skin, because I think the only thing else that's felt like it before was yoga, which I just recently started practicing and like taking the time to feel and like concentrate on each part of your body right? where you usually just don't give it any attention. And then it's like, that's your, that's your sanctuary. That's your temple, you know? Right. And um, that's what it reminded me of because it's like, you don't normally feel those parts of your body. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of what people think it is. They think it's restrictive and like, Mm-hmm. archaic and I just I'm so against that I'm such a sex positive feminist that I'm like yes yep. you need to yep. feel sexy you need to feel yeah. like wanted even by your like on your own to feel that when you look at yourself it doesn't and have I, to be and that's why like a lot of people think that I wear those things or put those photos out there because I'm attention thirsty Thursday. Thursday. Girl, you so Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really like, you know what? Has it ever occurred to you people that maybe I'm putting this on for me because it feels good? Like I'm also you doing like things, that. you know, because I like to feel pleasure in my own self. And that's oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm like n- not doing this for the consumption Mm-mm. of other people all the time like right. how about it just be for me hell yeah so that's another big part of why I do that is because like you 
need to feel that you need to mm-hmm. feel pleasure just for you sometimes yes and, um I think that the culture that we live in doesn't always focus on that or make Amen. that a priority yeah um the whole thing about the cycles of life mm-hmm. like small cycles and larger cycles is really fascinating to me like we were talking yeah. earlier about it being really sad to see the garden die at the end of the season mm-hmm. um, something i've really come to appreciate in the last couple of years is the death and dying of things and like the shedding it's like the shedding of the lining of our uterus mm-hmm. it's the you know you know and then the when we reach the end of that cycle it's it's the menopause and right. our clonehood our elderhood and there's a real beauty and even in just like observing the season the death of the season there's a real beauty in giving things rest and pause mm. and entering dark times and the stillness of things mm-hmm. because that's where that's where like creative sparks happen yeah and it's like self-reflection beginnings yeah yes yes so um that's true I've been really reflecting on the last couple of years and then surprise surprise the reason why I was reflecting on it is because my life was coming to you know a big ending you know I'm referring to you know the the divorce that I'm going through the end of a 15-year marriage and now I'm in this place where things are able to reset and like really um open up to a whole new chapter in my life which is really exciting but that couldn't have happened without the ending of something Mm -hmm. so really finding an appreciation in all of the stages of the cycles of life um there's magic in at all points of it in all points of the cycle that's true and we wouldn't we wouldn't appreciate it so much Mm -hmm if we weren't to see it go away as well. And, and the thing that's interesting, and this is another thing that I learned through, um, through Rob and the, that crew about um, doing the butsamon and the frau butts, which is not within their rules, but I just made it my rule. And it's funny because Susan Hess was like, I wanted to do that too, like a female version of the butsamon, which is all the old plant material. You make your scarecrow or butsamon um, mm-hmm. for the next season and then it, overseas and looks after your garden and ever since we've been doing it like our garden's been super blessed and like way more activated and um I actually did some a set of illustrations about it because it was really magical and I think that's so important and then you release its spirit um on All Hallows Eve and 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 you know you have to let it go you have to release its spirit it has to be free so if you don't you know serious repercussions so I think it's like that with everything but you know, I've also gotten to a point where it's okay to mourn and feel sadness and not be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? So I think, you know, acknowledging that and then moving into the next, the next part of the cycle is really important too. And not just like mm-hmm. always acting like you're just fine. You're fine. You're fine. You know, so exactly. I think that's really important. Yeah. And you know yourself better, you know, you do something that I, um, there is um, a figure in Celtic mythology called the Kaliach. 
um, that I became really familiar with when I started reading Sharon Blackie's work uh, in 2016, her book, If Women Rose Rooted came out. And um, she talks a lot about the Kaliach in her in her book. And she is, the Kaliach is the hag. She's like the divine hag. Mm -hmm and or the queen of winter but basically she's like um the dark half of so the year is divided into two halves the light half and the dark half and she rules the dark half and it really helped me to appreciate um all of those things that we were just talking about is like you know the rest of things the like the resting of things mm -hmm. and um as you and it gave me also something to look forward to and kind of look up to because in our culture we don't have like old women are not generally not revered in our culture mm -hmm. valued and this woman this figure this archetype in Celtic mythology is like feared and valued and welcomed and I thought wow what if we treated older women in our culture like that and right. really valued them for their knowledge and for what they've experienced in their lives and welcomed that part of our lives also and so that helped me that really helped me seriously yeah. speaking of which when are you going to write a book <laughs> i feel uh, like you're a great writer three thousandth person to tell me i need to write a Your book website though, that bio whole process like scares Mom. the crap out of me and i just did a lot of writing over the last year for sharon one of sharon's courses um if you want to talk about that for a minute yeah let's see the book come together from that i don't know tell me <laughs> everything no i'm serious i love the way you wrote that and um i know it sucks though but you know self-publish and then you don't have to go through all the bullshit i'm going through <laughs> tell me about your sharon okay so I've been working for, for and with Sharon Blackie for almost two years. And the way that it came to me is like very fortuitous because I'd been a fan of her work. Um, her book, If Women Rose Rooted, that I just mentioned a little bit ago was like profoundly changing for me. I still talk to women all the time. I get emails from them because I do her admin. Um, I hear from women all the time about how huge that book was from that for them. So anyway, um, she asked me uh, almost exactly a year ago if I would write an herbal component for one of her courses called oh, wow. um, Sisters of Rock and Root. And she has a bunch of online courses, but this particular one um, focuses on uh, the eight Celtic holidays of the year. Nice. There's a one module for each of the Celtic holidays. And um, she goes into like some of the traditions um, of each of the holidays. She retells a myth that has to do, that um, follows along with the themes of the holiday. And she tells a chapter of the eco-heroine's journey. And then there's like a medicine booklet that I write for each one of the oh, holidays. Nice. And I go into, like the herbs that I work with, well, first I, I start with like my experience in my own body and my own earth space of that season and that time of year 
what plants are around me, what's happening, how do I feel, what kind of, you know, rhythms and activities and things am I doing in my daily life? Um, and I turn them into a few different journaling prompts, like, and then I go into different herbs that I work with mm. for each of the seasons and different medicines that I make with those herbs and medicine making how-tos with lots of pictures and recipes and formulas. And then I always have a couple different, like really simple earth-based rituals for each of the modules. Sometimes I have a poem that comes to me. Um, and so I wrote eight of those, which was very energetically intense for me to write mm -hmm. them. I like had to immerse myself in like really, like we were talking before about really checking in mm. with my whole self, my whole being. Yes. What's going like being on? Activated. Yes. Like what's going yes. on right now in this mm -hmm. time and place that I, and how can I communicate that? to someone who's totally new to this way of connecting to the land. Um, so there's one for each of the seasons. And um, it's funny because she asked me last fall, a, a year ago, to write these things. And at the time I was in like the depths of my post separation, divorce, um, depression, and um, at this time of year, we're approaching the darkest day, which is winter solstice, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was like in this very dark time, in this very dark time of year, in this very dark time of my life. And as I started to really dig deep to be able to write these modules, I discovered that the arc of my healing from the end of my marriage was exactly mirroring the arc of the seasons which mm. was so incredibly deeply nourishing to me as i was going through it because so then the, after winter solstice there's the holiday of imbolc mm -hmm. which is around the beginning of february and the whole theme feeling of imbolc is like that's when you start to feel like these tiny little glimmers, these tiny little quickening feelings of things starting to move under your feet and the earth might be starting to wake up right then. That's what I was feeling in myself. And then, um, then there's a spring equinox and then there's a Beltana which is uh, the beginning of May, which is this burst of like creative, generative, sensual energy. And that's what I was feeling in my life at the time. And then after that was uh, there's summer solstice. And then there's Lunasa, which is the first of the three harvests, which I really felt like I was coming to a place where I was beginning to gather the fruits of my journey. And then you have autumn equinox. Then you have Samhain, which is around Halloween. And um, 
according, you know, traditionally in the Celtic tradition, you know, that's when like the herds were called for the winter. It's like really the beginning of the dark half of the year. And that's also what was happening in my life is another like stripping away of things that weren't serving me. And so now I've come around full circle. I've written an entire year of these things and I've come, you know, through this humongous healing journey in the writings of these modules and um we're in this you know we're in the same place on the calendar again but i'm in a different place like mm-hmm. um like time is kind of it's not come full circle it's come as a spiral it's like we've come back around to the same place but it's the same but it's different because we're seeing things like i'm seeing things with new knowledge new medicine through new eyes with new experiences and so um that course is available on sharonblackie.net it's called sisters of rock and root and um it's actually i think it's her most like affordable course it's only like 80 pounds for the whole thing and you get oh wow all of them yeah i'll have to add that to our um show notes <laughs> sorry I have to think of it yeah I'm looking it up right now that sounds amazing I definitely want a piece of that you know what it's so interesting um Ruthie just talking to you and knowing you um oh that looks amazing sorry I'm just looking right now at the yeah. website oh that's so cool oh my gosh I don't know what 80 pounds translates to anymore because it's we like a hundred so oh my god I'm, I'm so in yeah oh my gosh um I've had a really hard time. So I've, I've found my place, um, connecting to my roots with the Pennsylvania Dutch roots and, um, and everything like that. But I have had a really hard spiritual journey. And I think, you know, knowing you and hearing what you're talking about, it makes a lot of sense to me. I've, I've had a very, I, I will always identified as agnostic, but I've come closer and closer to, um, and then I always felt very much drawn to paganism um, my husband's a Germanic heathen, and that's mm-hmm. just not my path. And I respect him, and I appreciate his commitment to that. But it's just not my path. And hearing you talk, I mean, it's so funny because things, you know, happen for a reason and serendipitous, right? Um, I feel like maybe that's how I can connect to my Welsh roots is through that because that feels so that feels so much like home to me. What you're speaking of and the way you're talking yeah. about. It's the different celebrations. Celtic tradition. Um, yes. Wales is a Celtic nation. Um, yes. So that really explains, that makes sense why that feels, why you yeah. are putting a connection to that. Yeah. And everything else has felt so wrong. Like it's felt close to right, but so not right completely, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's so much the earth for me, you know? Yeah. And I may suck at keeping plants alive, but I'm very much... <laughs> a worshiper of the earth for sure yeah. and and the mother and um yeah i don't know it's just the moon the moon just just i could just you know i'm just a moon lady you're a moon lady yeah and the cycle it's so but you know i've always lived my life and sometimes it becomes a problem because you're so willy-nilly you know you don't commit to many things but i've always lived it intuitively and things that i'm drawn to i it, my curiosity drives me um I think it's just a part of being a creative spirit. You follow your your curiosities and they lead you to where you need to be, you know, yeah. which is sort of 
so how I met Hunter and how I got into learning more about my background in Pennsylvania Dutch. And now I sort of feel like I've accomplished that, that, that feeling and that connection. And um, yeah. it's time to, I know as I'm aging and I'm going to be 40 in January, I feel a need to uh, have a spiritual connection and more of a commitment rather than just feeling like, oh, this feels really good. And I go in and out of it. I really need to anchor myself. So that class, I'm going to sign up for that and um, get yeah. in on that. That sounds amazing. So thank you for bringing that up and sharing that with us. Um, so I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And how can people follow you and find you? I will also link your website and you're on social media um, as well. So my website is motherhilde.com, mother, H-Y-L-D-E.com. Yes. Um, I'm on Instagram at Mother Hildy. Uh, I have Mother Hildy's Herbal on Facebook. Okay. And I also have an Etsy store. Yes. For my all of my herbal makings and a couple of different corsets as I make them or I'm able to accept custom orders. Very cool. Oh yeah. Sounds like you're keeping yourself busy. That's very, very cool. Um, I also do another. <laughs> oh, the massage too. Five-ish jobs. Yeah. So I do yes. massage. I've been a massage therapist since 2005. I see private clients at my home. Um, I really, I so love being a massage therapist. Um, it's such a privilege when people let me into their space like that. Um, yeah, so like, I mean, how vulnerable do you have to be to get naked on a table for somebody? Oh my God. When can I come? I've never <laughs> had one. I'm ready. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, someone else you said you've been working with as well. Um, the mythic masculine Ian McKenzie. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you've done with him? Yeah, so Ian McKenzie is a filmmaker, writer, uh, visionary artist. He's based out of Vancouver, Canada, and his latest project is this Mythic Masculine podcast. And um, it really is a continuation of the Mythopoetic Men's Movement that was big in the 80s and the 90s. And it's all about uh, redefining our current our current definitions of masculinity and what it is to be a man in in today's society. And um, what's really cool about that work is that it dovetails so nicely with the work that I had been doing with Sharon for a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole, her whole like sacred feminine aspect of things. And um, I, I didn't really seek out either of these gigs. They were kind of like handed to me. And they, they just kind of work together so nicely. And they're both things that I'm super interested in. Um, the whole like divine feminine and the, the divine masculine and how they work together. And it's not necessarily talking about like genders. It's right. feminine and masculine aspects in, in everything and in, in yourself and in your life and in, in the world around you. So yeah, that, uh, the Mythic Masculine podcast, uh, Ian McKenzie, ianmack.com and all of, all of that information would be there. Oh, cool. So yeah. what kind of work do you do for him? Is it writing like you do? Um, um, so for Ian, I am his outreach weaver. I help to connect him to people to have for guests on his podcast. Nice. I help connect with other podcasts. 
um, help him organize things that we're doing online in his um, Mythic Masculine network that he has online and uh, things like that. Very cool. I love the photograph of him too for the podcast. Yeah, he has, like, he's a very artistically minded person, like, like, just very brilliantly creative. His films are really awesome, too. He's got some of the film, some of his films on his website. So I really value the work that Ian's doing, because, um, you know, I'm a single mom of two boys, one of them, you know, they're 19 and 12, one of them's, you know, approaching adulthood, and so and you know the work that he's doing is very much the kind of boys that i want to be raising um so it's really interesting that this is you know within my realm of work now yeah that's fascinating i can't wait to listen because i know i'm raising a son as well i have two daughters and a son and i think about this often about i i feel like it's very natural to know how to raise the girls because i am a girl Mm -hmm. And I was raised by really strong females, um, but I feel a little nervous about how how I'm going to be influencing my son. And I definitely want to check this out because it sounds really fascinating. So thank yeah. you for sharing that with us. And I can't wait to hear more about it yeah. and listen to his podcast. Yeah, I can't wait to start listening because I just finished Golden yeah. Girls. So I need something to finish. <laughs> <laughs> a good follow up to Golden Girls. <laughs> really. <laughs> You know, I watched it originally when I was a kid, like when it was the first airing, and I, yeah. uh -huh. I liked it, but I didn't get any of the jokes. Now as an adult, it's so hilarious. <laughs> like, I can't even stand it. So, yeah, that's another thing that I do. That's super I have like cool. seven jobs. It's ridiculous. You know what, though? I'm the same way, and I feel like that's part of being a creative and part of being a, a freelance oh. person or or um a small business owner, it's just, you keep yourself really busy and you, and the thing is you have this wealth of knowledge and this experience that you can share and make things a better place. So really in a, a way, it's also being an educator. Diversifying. So it's like, instead of having like one job that you yes. rely on, one stream of income, you're diversifying your streams of income. So it's like yeah. something fails, you mm -hmm. just pour that energy into the other things. Right. And it actually makes more sense to be that way. And I used to have like a hang up about it because, you know, in our culture, it's like, you know, most people have like one career, one job right. and that feels so limiting and so totally. boring to me. Yeah. Like I would die. I would die yeah. if I couldn't do all of my different things. 100%. And I love the variety and like yep. every day I'm doing something different, but yes. all of them are things that I love to do. And they're connected. Yeah. And they're all connected and they yes. complement each other. Yeah. And I love it's, that. Yeah. And it's like an investment in yourself too. And you know, it's right. interesting that you say that because as an, as a person that went to college, they really, especially in art and design, they tell you to focus on one thing. They say, don't have, especially design, right? I have my MFA in design and it was very, and that's how I met Cynthia, who's amazing. And she's mm -hmm. actually another one who's diversified, which I really love about her. And I want to get her on here too. Um, but they tell you not to like have anything else on your website and not to look like you're like scatterbrained or whatever, but it's so untrue and so like foolish because really, you know, the more layers you have, I feel like the more you have to offer and the more people yeah. see that you are 
if you're empowered enough to offer these different things, then mm-hmm. you're like fucking legit, you know? Like, it's not <laughs> like you're confused. It's like you're more focused than ever. Yeah. And you see the bigger picture and the threads that run through the different things that you offer. Exactly. Yep. You know, because it's like whole mind, body, spirit, um, mm-hmm. sexuality, all of these things that you offer. But tell mm-hmm. me quickly before we go, um, what is the massage experience like? I've never had a massage. Tell us what you do for the people that come in. And I would love to hear about it. And especially now that people have gotten to know you a little bit, mm-hmm. knowing that that's your background and that's how you, what you would bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Pun not intended, but there it is. But, but there yeah, it tell is. me all about it. I've never had one, so I'm very interested. You've never had a massage? Hold on a second. Oh, no. yeah. Rachel! I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is your I official know. scolding. Oh I know, it's gosh. crazy. It's okay, crazy. so I've been a massage therapist since 2005. Um, okay. I, I don't know. So, okay, I know how to do many different modalities, but my style has kind of evolved into this, like, um, it's deeply relaxing, but you definitely get up off the table feeling like you've had work done. Um, I do like myofascial stuff, trigger point stuff. Um, You know, there's some Swedish techniques in there. I also really love cupping. I love massage cupping. Um, I pretty much do that on every person I work on, unless the person just says, no, thanks. I don't want that. so massage and cupping i also make all of my own herbal oils so i make herbally infused my my favorite one is tulsi lavender kava which is so lovely um it just deeply relaxes you and tulsi is like mind centering and focusing and you know everybody knows lavender um so yeah, my, I have a cozy little studio above my garage back here in the woods. And everybody says as soon as they come in the door, they instantly feel relaxed. And mm-hmm. it's just a really nice atmosphere in there. And um, yeah, I, I really, I spend a lot of time up there. I've been seeing probably like eight to 10 clients a week right now. Wow, that's and, great. Yeah, it's really awesome. And uh so yeah, I, I guess that gives you maybe a little a snippet idea of what to expect when you come see me. Yeah, I love it. I need to come. You do need to come. Yeah, that would be really <laughs> fun. Happy birthday to me. I'm coming. <laughs> January 21st. Okay. January 24th. It'll be very, very dark and very, very... My garden will be definitely... Oh. My kale will be dead. No, I'm just Your kidding. It literally die. doesn't die. Oh. But you know what? I have a heated massage table, so. That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. I love it. That's so fun. Ruby, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. This was such a treat. Thank you so much for giving us all your amazing information. And I can't wait to have you on again for round two. We should do a second version, a second episode. Thank you so much, Rachel. This was really fun. Oh, very good. And bless school. All right. Happy solstice. Yeah. Right. You don't. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> when happy solstice. I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs>